honor to appreciate the servant of God. As we invite him to give us this presentation. And the topic is the painful side of leadership. Please appreciate God's servant better. God bless you. Apostle. Apostle. Correct. First of all, let me take the opportunity to greet all of you and wish you a fishy upper. Soon we shall be at the dawn of a new decade, the 2020s. We are living the 17s and 18s and 19s and going into the 20s. A new decade is dawning upon us. And it is my prayer that all your dreams should be accomplished in this beautiful drama of our world today. The events unfolding in our world are very dramatic. Our concern is for the youth, that God will give you the grace that your visions and your dreams, despite the complications, are still accomplished. My appreciation, thanks for the invitation. I perceive that you are preparing yourselves for innovation in leadership, for the socio-economic transformation of Ghana. We shouldn't be just thinking about the apostolic church. As leaders, we should be thinking even about our nation. So looking at the topic that was given to me, I perceive you are preparing yourselves for innovation in leadership. It shouldn't be the kind of leadership you have seen. We must lead with a new kind of leadership mentality and leadership ability. I tell my children that they shouldn't be like me. They should be better than I am. So if you become like us, then we have failed. But if you are better than us and have more innovation, then, oh, what colossal success we have been able to chalk. So innovation in leadership for the socio-economic transformation of Ghana for the upthrust of our church. Our church must receive a buoyancy. Our church must go up. Our church must boom. And also, um, as we think about the, the transformation of our nation and the upthrust of our church, and also for a greener earth, we should not only think about the church, but we should also look at our environment, how what God gave to Adam, we can make it greener, and better. Our president said by the end of his presidency, uh, Accra will be the cleanest city in, did he say Africa or the world? We are still praying for him, that God will give him the grace. But it requires a kind of leadership to give us a greener earth. So when I talk about greener earth, I'm talking about a kind of um, environment that we must possess. So to be a leader is to think outside the box. To be a leader is to think outside the box. Don't just think about apostolic. Think about Ghana. Think about the world. And think about apostolic. So that is my appreciation. The topic assigned to me is the painful side of leadership. The painful side of leadership. And when I received the topic, the text that came to my mind was 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 30. 
that is the chapter that has dominated my thinking as I prepared for this. Second Kings 6.30, when the king heard the woman's word, that is during the famine um, initiated by Elijah, and there was famine, and people started cooking their children. When the king heard the woman's words, he tore his robes. And as he went along the wall, the people looked, and they saw that under his robes, he had sackcloth on his body. The people looked and saw that under his robes, he had sackcloth under his body. These people were perplexed about the economic challenges, so they went to the king. Apparently, they went to him because the king was always looking noble, nicely dressed. And so they, they thought he had no pain. But when he heard their news, he took his dress and he tore it. And when they looked underneath the beautiful garment, there was sackcloth, which means he was mourning. And they were surprised. They didn't know even the king was also mourning. People don't know that apostles have got pain. We have got tears. We cry. We weep. Sometimes I am preaching and I have to hold the pulpit. People think it's a, it's a new way. I'm balancing myself because I'm feeling dizzy. And they are saying, Amen. And I'm holding on to their life. <laughs> and I still look apostolic. Because if I tear my robes, they will see that underneath my robe, I'm also wearing sackcloth. But if I show them the sackcloth, few will want to come into leadership. So we don't broadcast our sackcloth. We cover them. Endure the pain. We don't want to be like this woman who named her child Jabeth because I gave birth to her in pain. What woman doesn't give birth to her child in pain? And you alone, you name your child Jabeth. Why? Inexperienced people do that. If you are an experienced guy and you have komi plus shito and hard fish, and you are eating, and then you are showing people that it is hot. Then you are not a gun. <laughs> a real gun will put the kumi into the shito, put it into his mouth, and be smiling and talking. <laughs> but let a novice come and try it. You wonder, is this what you are smiling at? <laughs> May God grant us the grace to become experienced leaders. We are looking at the painful side of leadership. When we say painful, it is painful in two ways. Painful on the side of the leader and also painful on the side of the followers. So leadership can be painful on your side. But remember, you can also inflict pain on the people you lead. Hence, in preparing, I noted that there are other authors who speak about the dark side of leadership. So we have the painful side of leadership. Others also talk about the dark side of leadership. And I also was thinking about the blind spot in leadership. Blind spots in all these are topics that in future you can 
address. So in addition to the painful side of leadership, we also have got the dark side of leadership. And the painful is, like I said, on the part of the leader and also on the part of the followers. So the painful side of leadership. Let me begin briefly with leadership. Uh, the topic is not on leadership per se, but on the painful side of leadership. According to one Larry McLintosh, a co-author of the book, Overcoming the Dark Side of Leadership. I couldn't get it around. I asked my daughter to buy the book for me from the U.S. The, the Overcoming the Dark Side of Leadership. He says that one universal that exists among species that have brains and nervous system is leadership. All organisms that are social, they can associate together. One common, one common denominator they all have is the need for leadership. A bad leader is better than no leader. In Africa, we understand very much. Muammar Gaddafi, they said was bad, but his absence creates a catastrophe to take ages for Libya to recover. So don't coup d'etat a bad leader. Lure him out of office. And look at Iraq. Iraq, I don't know whether Iraq can recover unless we come together and pray that Iraq will be able to succeed. So even bad leaders should be appreciated. Because in the absence of leadership, even in the kingdom of darkness, there is leadership. The only thing Satan has copied from God is leadership. So respect leaders. Even Michael respected Satan when he met him. Jude, the apostle said it. So if you have a bad presiding elder, the best you can do is respect him. So one universal among all species is what? Leadership. From insects to mammals. He cites the examples of bees having the queen and baboons having the alpha male. And like I've just said, the New Testament also reveals that leadership is key even in the kingdom of darkness. Matthew 12, 26. Jesus said, if Satan divides, uh, drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? So to be divided is to have multiple heads. And every organism with multiple heads is a monster. A good organism is one with a single head. And the whole body unites under that. One fiasa. He says, uh, a researcher on leading, on leadership, he posits that a leader is one whose actions prompt others towards progressive action. A leader is one whose actions prompt others towards progressive actions and pays the group to a more desirable estate. 
Israel, eh, Israel was in Egypt for a long time. I think 430 years, am I right? Until Moses joined them. And when Moses joined them, within months, they were moving. That is leadership. You join the group, and within a short time, the group is progressing. Wow. May God make you a leader. Where you are not content to stay with your group in your current estate. But God grants you the wisdom, the dexterity to bring about a change. To transform your people and lead them across the sea without a boat. To walk through the sea on dry land. We need leaders who can accomplish. Not leaders who can decorate the city. We are hungry for leaders. And we are annoyed with ineffective, talkative leaders. That's why I say innovation in leadership. Leaders do not just occupy a mere space. Leaders occupy a niche. Forgive me, I'm a biologist to begin with. So I like putting my biology into my Bible. So to occupy a niche, you occupy a position and also a function. My head occupies a niche. It is not just the head, but examine my head. All the sensory organs are on my head. Smell. Hearing. Sight. Taste. Even feeling. My head has it all. So it is not just a position, but a function. Leadership is more of a functionality than an office. And many people are not designed for leadership, but they are occupying the place. May God, he made some into apostles. May God make some of you into prophets. Not all of you. But if my head is the apostle, then my head needs the neck to turn. So who is in charge? In actual fact, my neck is in charge. But he gives respect to the head. But it's the neck that turns the head. The head thinks he's, he's the boss. But the neck knows I am the one. <laughs> that is teamwork. He observes that the group suffers when leaders fail to act. Society expects leaders to do the right things. And when I say the right things, to be selfless to be visionary, and to be saturated with integrity. To be saturated with integrity. Where what you say is what is in your heart, and it's what you do. So, having introduced what I under, my understanding about leadership, let's go to the, before I look at the painful side, let's look at the juicy side of leadership. The juicy side of leadership. Most people know about leadership and its accompanying power, glory, fame, and riches. Wow. Look at, look at our, His Excellency the President. Three times he contested for the presidency. First time he failed, second time he failed, went to court, but he, he came back. Uh, is it our good or there's something good in it? 
when we see the zeal which we defied for the office, then there must be something good in leadership. It makes me think. First Timothy 3 verse 1 says, Here is a trustworthy saying, Whoever aspires to be an overseer, that is a bishop, a pastor, a, uh, an elder, a leader, desires a noble task. The way Paul put it, noble, but I like the word task. It is a noble office, but noble task. The word task. A question that was answered here so nicely. I am an apostle. But before an apostle, I was a deacon. When they made me an elder, they didn't remove the deacon or anointing. So the deacon is still in me. Then I presided, but I was still an elder. Then I became an overseer, but the deacon was still there. And, but that was my primary anointing as a deacon. So I served. Don't allow other ordinations to, to unmake the former ones. Sometimes you go to an assembly and we want a presiding elder and we can't get. Let me tell you why. Unlike the women, where we choose a deaconess, for many men, they start as deacons. So we looked at somebody with deacon ability and we called. Then later, when we wanted more officers, we said, let's promote the deacons and bring in more. So some people have been called deacons, but they have been promoted to elders. Just a promotion. But those who have got the grace of eldership, original, not deaconship, it's easy to identify them as presiding elders. So sometimes there are many elders, but the pastor can't find a presiding elder. The secret is that many of us were just promoted. May you not just be a promotion, but a calling. And that is the way we build the church of God. So leadership is here described as a noble task, desirable and nice. After all, it goes with status. You see, because an apostle, when I came, they didn't take me to the back here. They brought me near the, near the president. Some status in it, you know. <laughs> if you come here, they will drive you away. But when I came, I told the protocol, I want to go to the back. I want to observe from the back. So it goes with status. The leader has more leverage to determine how things should be. And in many situations, the leader enjoys better, <laughs> better what? Remunerations, yes. In many situations, not in the church, in a way. But in many situations, the leader enjoys many allowances. Like his excellency, even when he retires, they'll build him a house, give him cars. Uh, uh, the, the others will not get it. So everybody wants to be the leader. The church leader as shepherd. The church leader as shepherd. Normally, for church leadership, the best picture that 
describes a church leader is a shepherd. Uh, the Greek word for pastor is interpreted as shepherd. In his book on the painful side of leadership by Jeff Eok, he observes that the most popular biblical image for Christian leadership is the shepherd with sheep in his bosom, as we have there. Wow, if you look at it, oh, leadership is beautiful. The shepherd nicely dressed with his clerical <laughs> and the sheep in his bosom. You try it and see. The, she the sheep may poo-poo on you. <laughs> then you see that it is not all that, not all that glisters. It's good. One of our colleague apostles, when he dresses in his full regalia, plus his, his clerical, and he comes to church, we are both apostles, but you see that his is nicer. Then he stands there. We are both wood, but he is good wood. I look at myself, civilian, and him also. So, so sometimes I want to be like him. But he has gone to Sudan. He has gone to Mali. He has gone to fight. He has gone to the bush. So when you, you see him decorated, you don't know what he has gone through. Everybody is looking for the decoration. But the process of arriving at decoration, many forget. Oh, many desire to be apostles. Many want. These so, so many people so desire that they, they establish their own church. So they, they start as apostles. Start right from the top. Apostle. And, uh, <laughs> and if you start at the top, where are you going? Then you are coming down. <laughs> May God have mercy upon us. Yeah. I said I'm talking to students, so uh, don't worry. How peaceful this picture looks. However, in the real world, sheep bite. Sheep run amok. They get diseases. They wander into trouble. And they are attacked by wolves. So if you take this picture and you follow this picture and become a shepherd. Ask Jacob to relate what he went through as a shepherd. You understand that to be a shepherd, ask. Paul said a noble, but people see the noble, but they forget the task. They do dumb things. They injure themselves, and they nip at each other, the sheep. So don't be fooled by the picture. They are art, art impressions, not realities. In addition, shepherds themselves also are less than perfect. They get angry, they desert their post, they neglect their responsibilities, they drive their sheep, lash out at them, yell at them, and even hit a few with they are staff. So the painful side of leadership has two sides. On the part of the shepherd and that on the part of the sheep. On the part of the leader and on the part of the followers. So let me now come to the 
painful side of leadership. Like the shepherds, we must appreciate that leading Christians can be a tough job. Can you imagine? Leading Christians should have been like leading angels. Leading you Christians. <laughs> it's difficult. Even leading angels, you can get Lucifer transforming into Satan. We don't want anybody to transform again among the angels. It is enough. One Satan, the troubles we are in, if they are two, <laughs> it will be a problem. So when we are praying, do intercession, let us intercede for the angels that they don't enter into. Even leading angels, you need a Michael to fight. How much more leading men? Anyone who accepts the challenge of leadership must first count the cost that goes with the responsibility. So when we, are, when we were swearing in the president into office, we asked him to count the cost and say, yes, I will. Then he said, yes, I do. The purpose of this presentation is equip Christian leaders and their followers to manage the painful sides of leadership. And when it is time, just let me know. Um, my essence is not to finish, but to make an impact. That is all. Miles Monroe, oh, of blessed memory, a great leader, a prolific writer. I liked him so much. Any book he writes, I will buy. Two people that I love, Miles Morrow and uh, Watchmani. Watchmani, I don't like all his books, but I read them all. He's a deep apostle, very deep spiritual man. Miles Morrow's a guru on Christian leadership has observed that anyone who aspires to the position of leadership must not be misguided by the perceived glory, prominence, and benefits. Don't be misguided. James 3 verse 1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So, Apart from being noble, the advice is that don't, not many of you should want to be. But today, everybody wants to be apostle. Everybody, even Dickens. It is a calling. To the two brothers who aspired for positions of prominence among the disciples, Jesus remarked, you don't know what you are asking. They wanted to be president and general secretary. At the same time, brothers, they wanted the highest office. They didn't know the seat is hot. They thought the seat is ice water. Even buffing ice water is not easy. How much more hot water? So these two brothers, Jesus said, you don't know what you are asking. Then he continued, can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they shouted. 
That is Mark 10, 38. And these things are written for us to, to learn from. Now, when Jesus says a cup, he didn't mean tea. The cup here is the cup of suffering. Let this cup pass from me. Abba, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass me, but not my will. Then God definitely wanted him to drink the cup and to drink it all. Not like people who take communion, they drink some and leave some and then drink all. So tell them that communion, when they come, they should drink all. Only the dignities don't make it too sweet. Some people, because of different challenges, don't like very sweet. The cup here is the cup of suffering, and the baptism is the baptism of pain. The ladies here appreciate that you cannot deliver a child without pain. Neither can a leader deliver their vision minus pain. There are countless challenges and trials that leaders must endure. One is called rejection. Rejection. One of the most common costs of leadership is the experience of rejection. And because of the time constraints, I'll be very brief. The Gospels say of Jesus in John 1 11, He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. You see, to be rejected by people you don't know, you don't feel it. But the greatest pain is when people who are your own reject you. So to be rejected by your husband, to be rejected by your wife, to be rejected by your peers, to be rejected by your own people is a very painful experience. True leaders Effect change. And change by itself, its very nature, engenders conflict and resistance. Leaders bring about change, and people don't like change, even though they are changing. So if you want to do your work as a leader, bringing about a change, you face conflict and resistance. Leaders are change agents. Leadership is an influence relationship that produces real change. And real change can mean real pain. And as a leader, I have experienced so many pain. You, you really want to bring about a positive change by resistance. And people show resistance in many awkward ways. Anonymous letters. Christian leaders challenge people to change. We challenge them to change personally. We preach and teach, calling people to a higher standard of living. To live out their faith. We confront comfortable behavior. Sometimes sinful patterns and demand repentance. Most preachers and teachers have heard the comment, you really stepped on my toes. 
we are sometimes toe stampers. When people are convicted of sin, of needed life changes, they sometimes lash out in anger. Or they may gossip or use diversionary tactics like creating conflict over unrelated issues to distract attention from their sin. Challenging people to change is painful. So many leaders fail to function in order to avoid pain. In his new book on leadership on pain, Dr. Sam Chand says, there is no growth without change and no change without loss and no loss without pain. The bottom line, if you are not hurting, then you are not leading. So do you want to be a leader? It is true that often great leaders are never appreciated nor recognized by their contemporaries, rather by the following generations. And Kwame Nkrumah is one. I was around when he was overthrown. And I celebrated in the sea. I didn't understand. Uh, we were happy that he's gone now. Great leaders are not appreciated by their own generation. Hmm. Rejection does not mean you are wrong. But it does indicate that you are challenging others to change. Hmm. If you depend or need agreement with everyone around you in order to feel secure, you will never be a successful and effective leader. So leadership involves, if you like, rejection. How many want to be leaders? <laughs> Thank you. The other one is criticism. Criticism is a way of life for leadership. Criticism is a way of life for leadership. The very nature of effective leadership involves taking a position on issues, making decisions, and determining directions. These will always result in some form of reactions from one's environment, usually negative reactions. Criticism is not new or unique. It is common to all effective leadership. So don't think that you are the only person being criticized. Enjoy it and let's move on. But note this, criticism is the leader's greatest test of maturity. When people criticize you, your, your response, not your reaction, your response determines whether you were matured before you were brought into leadership. Criticism is the leader's greatest test of maturity. And uh, I wish, if you forget anything I say, I wish this can be part of what you put down. Criticism 
is the leadest, greatest test of maturity. So it is also his test of conviction and commitment to his vision. Miles Morrow has observed that if you are ready for criticism, you are ready for leadership. True leaders are not affected by criticism and would, in most cases, see to it. See it as a positive opportunity to test their conviction and their commitment. So if you're a great leader, when people criticize you, it's an opportunity to evaluate what you are doing. And to them, criticism is an advantage. Criticism is usually the manifestation of jealousy, insecurity, or fear, and should be seen as a normal human response to active leadership. Normal human response to active leadership. So if you are surprised with criticism, then you are not born a leader. You must anticipate it, not pray for it, but it will come. If you do not want to be criticized, then decide to do nothing in life. It is better to be criticized for action than to be ignored for non-action. And when it comes to criticism, Judas is my example. And I want you to take this very seriously. John chapter 12, verse 4 to 7. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Now, he made his mind clear, and leaders declare their mind. He made his judgment very, very clear. And once you make your mind clear, you are open for criticism. That's why in meetings, people don't talk. But after the meeting, then they say, I had wanted to. I had wanted to. They just fear to be criticized. If we want our church to become better at meetings, let us see where you stand. Then together, we shall build our church and move towards the goal that we want. Then the Bible says, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into the bag. Listen carefully. He used to help himself with what was put into the bag. Money is not taken. Money is given. Money is like power. Even in our nation, when you see money on the ground and you take it, you must take it to the police station. Only that corruption is everywhere. So everybody has become the norm, corrupt. But we don't take money. We receive money. So Judas, in keeping the money back, used to dip his hand into it and take. Once you dip your hand into it and take, you are a thief. But if you keep the money back and you need money, you must ask for money. Ask the leader to authorize you to take. 
Any money taken without authorization is thiefing in church. I didn't hear any amen. <laughs> the silence is too loud. And John, because he's a fellow apostle, he put it very nicely. As the keeper of the bag, he used to help himself with what was put into the bag. It's a nice way of talking about an apostle. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. That was the rebuke. The criticism of what Judas was saying. Now listen carefully. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. Now, John, in presenting this, mentioned that it was Judas who mentioned it. But Mark also said the same thing. In Mark 14, verse 10. At verse 10, it says, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. When he was criticized, he became a betrayer. He couldn't handle criticism. So he betrayed the whole system because he was rebuked. It shows the immaturity of Judas among the matured who were around. So he went to the enemies of the cross and joined them because he had been criticized publicly. Your sense of maturity will come when God sends people to criticize you and how you accept them and how you move from there. He went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Why? He spoke at a meeting and somebody made a counter motion. And from that day, the two of them have never shared the same plate again. The essence of meeting is to share minds. Before Jesus spoke about, I will build my church, he asked for their mind, what do people say that I am? And everybody was sharing their mind. Everybody. Then what about you? What do you say? Then Peter said, okay, let me tell you, you are the Christ. And because he was able to share his mind, he was given keys. Pretenders who don't speak should not be given the keys of leadership. Because keys must not be, be given to people whom we don't know where they stand. And we must know, you see, some people want to play it safe until the time comes. I want to hide my true colors until they give me the post. Then you will see who I really am. Don't surprise us. Again, I'm speaking to students. That's my mind. I wanted to prepare them for tomorrow. Criticism and leadership. Then another 
painful aspect of leadership is loneliness. Leadership is lonely. And Mr. President, when I studied biology, one thing, aquatic um, science, I found a certain thing very interesting. A fish hydrating in water. Wow. If you put a freshwater fish into saline water, sea water, because of osmosis, it is living in plenty water, but it is hydrating. So if that fish complains that I am drying up, people say, how? How do you dry up in water like that? People don't know that his physiology is not adapted to saline water. He's surrounded by plenty water, but he's drying up. The leader may be surrounded by so many friends, but he's alone. Our apostle Eric Kwabranyamiche was my paddy. We were, we were friends on executive. But once he became the chairman, it's difficult for me to go to his home and say, I just came to waste your time. <laughs> when we were fellow apostles, we can just spend time together. I, I go to him, whether announced or unannounced, we eat, we chop, we talk, talk, talk. But now that he's chairman, we must respect his privacy. But he also wants us to come, but we... He's my fellow. He's my junior brother, but he's my president. So sometimes he invites me to his office, and when I reach the door, I, I must. <clears throat> now, he has been elevated. So sometimes to be up there is loneliness. To be a leader, there's a price to pay. There's a price to pay. Leadership is lonely. To lead is to be out in front, ahead of your fellows. There is also the responsibility of decision-making that falls on the leader. Despite the fact that a good leader delegates, he is also aware that there are decisions only he can make, and that will affect the lives of many. This is a lonely business. Ministers to be transferred. People to be moved. Others to be demoted, downgraded, sacked. And you must speak. And you must speak. And leadership is painful. Leadership. When having gone to the height of Pentecost leadership, I now have got people who no longer can be my friends because I was party in their discipline. I was a member or leader of a, a committee that investigated them and we, we recommended discipline and they were disciplined. And when we meet, they pretend as if they have not seen you. <laughs> as soon as they see you coming, they become very busy. <laughs> and you know that you have lost friends. And once you get into leadership, you step on so many toes. And you must. And if you are afraid to be lonely, then don't come into leadership. Don't come into leadership. Hmm. 
great leaders who have changed the world and impacted their generations are lonely souls. Jesus was forsaken by the disciples in his greatest hour of need. Yet, he stood and saw his purpose fulfilled. If you are not willing to stand alone in your vision, not many will be willing to stand with you. So when we were with Chamalopokonina in our executive, when we are making a decision, making a decision, and he's not sure, he says, let's put this one down. I want to, be, I want to carry uh, this collective decision when I myself am sure I can defend it. But I am not very sure. And we also learned that when the leader is not sure, it means we must shelve the agenda so that nobody promotes his own agenda against the leader's perception. Because eventually, when we, we finish, we all will disperse, and you will be in the office, and you have to defend. And if the leader is not sure, then all of us are not sure. But if the leader has got vision clear, then that is good. I like the story, Mr. Chairman about Moses with uh, Aaron and her on the mountain. Yes. And Moses lifted up his hand, holding the rod, and he was tied. But Aaron and her came and said, we shall help you. One way of helping is to change the rod. I hold the rod small. You also hold the rod small. We all hold small, 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 small. Then small, small together become big, big. But that didn't enter their mind. He says, you hold the rod. We shall hold your hand. Let the rod be in your hand. We are not competing for the rod. We are competing for the vision. So, you hold the rod. But we are coming not to touch the rod. But we are coming to touch your hand and lift it up. And when Moses saw that they are not coming for the rod, but for the hand, he said, okay, okay, come, come, come. <laughs> Come, come, come. But when we see you are coming for the road, you will see. Again, I'm talking to students. Huh? I'm, I'm, I'm not talking to leaders. Then they saw that Moses was tired. There was a stone. Aaron is older. Her is older. Moses is their younger brother. So they can push Moses to go and sit on a rock. But they decided to go and carry the rock and bring it. Because when Moses wants to stand, he must stand in his vision. They shouldn't change it. So they didn't push Moses around. They rather went to carry, despite the effect on their waist, they carried the rock. Whether they rolled it, whatever it is, they brought the rock to where Moses was. And advised Moses, instead of stand and sit, but sit within the comfort of your vision. We shall support your leadership. And that's the kind of mentality that we need to build our church and move the apostolic church to higher heights. So, imagine 
Okay, that may now go to mental and physical fatigue. Mental and physical fatigue. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 28. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 28. Besides everything, I face daily the pressure of my concern for the churches. Leadership places heavy demands on the individual who fills the position. There is no way to become an effective leader and not be affected by stress, physical demands, mental toll. All leaders must possess an exceptional degree of stamina and physical energy. Our president said it. All leaders must possess. I wonder how Donald Trump at 72 gets that energy to withstand his stress. I admire him. Even our president, the schedule that he endures, the stamina that he has, the energy, I thank God for his life. Leadership requires energy. That is why Jesus saved the world, but as a young man. You can't hang on the cross uh, and you, you, you are at the retirement age. Can't hang on the cross at the age of retirement. No. To hang on the cross, you must be 33 years. And we call upon young people to stand out. Most of the leaders you see who have made a name, they made names when they were young. Don't wait until you are old to make a name. Make a name now. Be the Joshua and the Moses making your name. Then, when Moses is gone, Joshua will take over. The victory of Joshua was put into the account of Moses, but he was not worried. Mine is to make sure Moses succeeds, and a good follower can become a good leader. A bad follower will be a bad leader. This is too quiet. Are you annoyed? Okay. Okay, I will finish very soon, okay? Hmm. If they need stamina, if they are to effectively motivate and inspire others. It is said that the world is run by tired men and that men and women who change the world do not love sleep. As I stand here, I am tired. See me dressed like this. Sometimes I tell my driver now, let's speed on and I go to the back. I'm not praying, I'm sleeping <laughs> to the glory of God. <laughs> That's why we don't like giving people lifts. They will see us dozing. They will say, oh, the man of God. <laughs> not that we are not kind. 
they won't understand the stress that we go through. Leadership is stressful. The hours of sitting. The mental toll on us. But I don't want to go into it. Otherwise, you will not love to become leaders. Some of this thing was hiding from you. When you come, you see. <laughs> if you are not willing to work harder, longer, more intense, and beyond the call of duty, you will become an ineffective leader. And then, the long hours we work, we don't ask for allowance. Leaders who say, I want leaders who write overtime. Oh, leader. I don't have closing hours. Sometimes I close early from the office at 8 p.m. So I tell them, today I want to leave early. Eight. Then they smile. I'm in the office, then they'll come. Apostle, please, we want to go. Today, there's church service. Oh, 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 is it time? Oh, I didn't know. I, I thought it is because my room is air-conditioned, so you, uh, uh, it is still morning for me. <laughs> you wake up early. By three, you are up. You must read. You must find time for yourself. You must work hard. Leadership is not of an excuse to lazy around, but a privilege to stretch yourself and to stretch yourself to the glory of God. For this reason, a true leader will incorporate in his life and be committed to a physical health program and diet plan. Leaders don't assemble fufu and abiyanko at 8 p.m. Say, because I didn't eat at 3. And my wife has pounded the fufu. And I want to give glory to God. <laughs> the fufu must not go waste. 8 p.m. Your two fingers are cutting. <laughs> what kind of leader are you? What kind of leader are you? No plan. Leaders incorporate in his life and be committed to a physical program of diet. And you must have, if you can't walk around, you must have a machine at home. You must exercise. For the sake of the church, invest in it. Because if anything happens to you, the people that mourn are just too many. So for their sake, Jesus says, for their sake, I sanctify myself. Not for my sake. If not for yourself, for us who follow you, keep fit. Keep fit for us. So when we see you dancing at church, we shall, we shall give glory to God. But when you see you dancing at church, and then, no, <laughs> no. That's the essence. That's when we said, you must know when to exit. You must know when you must remain in place. Moses exited at the age of 
120. But remember, his eyes did not go dim. He didn't wear spares the way I'm wearing. So if you want to quote Moses an example, and you are wearing spares, then <laughs> you are doing the wrong thing. <laughs> oh, are you with me? And then he was asked to climb the Mount of is it Pisgah or something like that. You might be able to negotiate mountains without a walking stick. So when you are quoting Moses, quote him well, and we shall be okay. He also maintains a close relationship with the source, the Heavenly Father, to whom he retreats often in quiet prayer and solitude to have his soul restored. Jesus retreated many times uh, on many occasions from the stress of the large crowd to the quiet refuge of prayer with his father. If you are willing to pay the price of fatigue, then you are willing to lead. I think I will add one more and I will stop there so that I can take questions from you. Personal sacrifices. Leaders, leadership demands a commitment of service to others, a placing of the needs of others above your own. Any leadership that is preoccupied with the elevation of its own status, glory, and objectives is not true leadership. True leaders are willing to lay down their lives for the objectives that are greater than their own personal. Uh, Galatians 6 verse 17, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my own body the marks of Christ. The apostle's wife referred to that. Whoever wants to gain his life shall lose it, and whoever loses it for my sake shall find it. If you will become the leader you were born to be, you cannot escape the price of self-sacrifice. Remember, true leaders have not only found a purpose and objective for life, but they have also found a, a vision and a passion to die for. You will never change your generation until you are willing to die for that change. So you have a vision to live for and a passion to die for. Then you are a leader. A vision to live for and a passion to die for. Greatness in this life is found in the willingness to die. You know, if you join the armed forces, the only way you can come out is either by death or by honorable discharge. If you run away, they will look for you, court-martial you, and fire you, not sack you, kill you. A son of mine joined the military, the officer's academy, the training. Then he was suffering, so I intervened. And they said, uh, Apostle, please, 10% is allowed. I said, it's allowed. In the training, 10% of them are allowed to die. I said, uh, pardon? <laughs> he told me so nicely, oh, Apostle, in the training, 10% of the people who can fight, if you train them and, and none of them dies, it means the training was not rigorous enough. So it is expected that if there were 100 who came, mm, 89 
11 must have been buried within eight months. I said, is that so? <laughs> and by the grace of God, a lot of prayer, my son managed to escape. <laughs> Somebody gave him the hint how to escape. And we asked him to go and hide somewhere for a long time. They came home looking for him. My poor son. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want him to join the 10%. Otherwise, he, <laughs> otherwise he would have been part of the 10%. <laughs> True leadership is born out of a guiding vision and a passion. To accomplish a noble task. And let me add this one. Price paid by others. Because I myself, I am the son of an apostle. And none of my children want to be like me. My boys. None of them have got pastoral mentality. Because of nothing but the nature of our work. The transfers. I didn't know that the transfers I was enjoying from place to place, it was hurting them. Just as they are making friends, then I move. Just as they are making friends, then I move. And when I move, I go to a school, they said, oh, then let them repeat, then they repeat. It was having impact on them. So when they grew, and I said, um, you know what work I'm doing, if any of you, any, any of you what? <laughs> any of you what? So I don't have the joy of seeing my children in ministry. It's part of the leadership pain. Not only you feel the pain, but the people around you feel the pain. So when they say, let's do something small for the pastor, some people are so jealous. Why? Why should we do something? He's, uh, uh, no, the work we do is different. Different from yours. It used to be said that aso for manye me but me But aso for manye is not because of them. When my father was in those days, my father was original apostle. And then when he retired, apostle took over. When we say original apostle was in Cape Coast, so the whole of Central Region, Fosu, Akimoda, uh, all of them were under him. And if you want to go on trek, you can't just go and come back. So a week, two weeks, from Oda to Fosu, Fosu to Swedru uh, and then back. The two week absence, Apostle, when he came back, his daughter was pregnant. He said, How? Why? How? How? As you care for others, the enemy intrudes into your territory. Then when this, when this pain occurs to you, people say, I saw for man yet. So it's like the Song of Solomon says, My brothers let me take off their vineyard, but my own vineyard I neglected. So when my father saw that we were growing, we, we, we were young, elegant boys. And as we were growing and our handsomeness was coming, ladies were just coming to say, oh, I just came to fetch water. I came for firewood. And my father saw that they were coming too frequently. So anytime he's going on trek, mommy will be left at home. So the ladies come and, and mommy is there. Oh, okay, then, then we are coming. <laughs> so mommy was always the aunt. There was a certain maid who was with us. My father saw that the maid was becoming too close to us. One afternoon, my father asked for the maid to be sacked. We all protested. So why? We all let her go for no reason. When we grew, 
and we matured. They said, you know why I let her go? <laughs> so sometimes the sacrifice for the ministry has got painful effect on the people around us. And when it is Christmas, and let's go and visit the mission house, small, small, you find some elders saying, why, why? If the pastor is getting 10, we also must get 10, 10. Oh. <laughs> Elder, why? <laughs> elders don't talk like that. If you want to be a leader, you must be aware of the tremendous cost that will be borne by those closest to you. Because leaders, leadership demands the giving of oneself to others. The leader's life becomes the property of those whom he serves. Therefore, no true leader can expect to live a normal life as other people. His time is not his own, his gifts, his talents, and experiences are in the service of others. This is a direct effect. This has a direct effect upon his spouse, his children, and upon those dear to him. If you are not willing to share your family and your loved ones with others, then you are not willing to be in effective leadership. Leaders belong to their generation and not to themselves. Let me conclude by saying why is leadership painful? It is painful because we are still sinners. Leadership is painful because if you say you have no sin, John says you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you. When it comes to sin, there are three dimensions. The, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from the guilt of sin. So we are not held prisoners by our conscience any longer. So the guilt of sin is gone. Then we are also delivered from the power of sin. So we have the ability not to sin. Before then, when you want to smoke, the cigarette will draw you. But now we have the ability to make a decision not to sin. If you sin, then you sin, not the devil. But we have been saved from the guilt of sin and the power of sin, but not from the presence of sin. Sin is still around us. Until the time comes when Christ will deliver us from the presence of sin, then we will not have the ability even to sin. So the people will lead still sin. They do sinful things. Apart from that, we as leaders also do sinful things. And the sinful things we do hurt the sheep. And apart from sin, Satan too is there. The other day, Satan moved David to do something that is unbecoming. But he did it. It is Satan who moved him to do what he did. And some things that leaders do that hurt the flock include pride. Leaders can be prideful in the things that they do and other things which time may not allow us to allude to. May the Lord grant us the grace to appreciate 
the painful side of leadership. Amen. My name is Joyce Sodami. This morning, I've heard a lot about pain. When mommy was talking, she spoke about the pain, the sacrifice of offense and pain in teamwork. I've also heard about the painful side of leadership, criticisms, rejection, and all that, loneliness. Are there any strategies to practically manage this such that it will not let you down, but you still be the effective leader that you want to be. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. My name is Masuetamati. I'm placed, I'm in a group of 10 members. And out of these, about seven of them thinks, based on my contributions and conduct in the group, I can lead the group. So they are all most of the time, campaigning for me to lead the group. But inwardly, I don't think I am qualified or matured enough to lead that group. And the gossip has always been that I don't want to always take responsibilities and so on and so forth. In this case, what should I do? Do I have to take up that leadership position and then learn on it? Or I should ignore them? Thank you so much. My question has got to do with transfer of pain. Um, if a pastor or a presiding elder is in pain, which he himself or cannot control or bear it, is it possible for him to transfer that pain to the people that he's shepherding? And what will be the effect? Thank you very much for your very insightful questions. Any strategies to minimize pain? Yes, there is. There are many strategies to minimize pain. You know, when, when God called Moses to lead, he told Moses to tell Aaron and his children to use linen cloth for their underwear. The tree says Jokoto. Tell them to wear Jokoto. Anytime they are climbing the altar. Because... The virtue of climbing the altar to sacrifice means you must climb. The people came to observe the sacrifice, not your climbing. But as you are climbing, you are going above the people. And as you go and they lift up their heads, they are looking at you, but by accident, they can see under you. But if they look and they see under you, what do they see? God says it must be a clean learning. Leadership means you expose yourself. Look at your members. They, take, they dance the way you dance. They walk the way you walk. They talk the way you talk. Because you are exposed. You belong to the people. But when they begin to see your underside, if the things they see are not questionable, there is less talk. So Peter and John said, look at us. Which leaders can say, look at us. Stop looking at me like that. Look elsewhere. <laughs> if you tell them, don't look at me. Look elsewhere, then they will talk. But leaders must be able to say, look at us. Use binoculars. Use microscopes. Look into our accounts. Check what we did. 
you gave me 100 and 100,000. I have used the whole money. Let the youth come with an accountant. Let them audit me. Wow, what a leader. But in the name of Jesus, I am the presiding elder. I say we have used the money. And believe me to be, who told you? <laughs> trust is not given. Trust is earned. So if you're able to earn all these things, then you have put in the kind of uh, mitigations that will limit the talk. So let them talk, but let them talk good things. And even a time comes when even your enemies will defend you. I remember at a time when I was in Sunday school and burning my heart out. And so he said, do you know why uh, Brother Bra 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 likes the Sunday school? He's taking advantage of the young girls. Oh, I was putting my whole heart in. But the parents themselves defended me. So if you're a leader, you take off your character, God takes care of your reputation. You, if you want to mitigate talks, take off your character and leave your reputation into the hands of the living God. He will defend you. So uh, my answer to that question is, jokotolize yourself. Jokotolize yourself. And then people are campaigning for you to lead. Wow. You see, don't let anything surprise you. Anything that God has not told you, he has not called you to do it. Yes. So it's like directive prophecy. Don't let any prophecy surprise you. That a, a woman prophet comes and shaking. In the name of Jesus, you will be the future president of the church. And it surprises you. Reject it. Because prophecies don't come to surprise. They come to confirm. So if what the people are doing is not confirming what God has told you, but is putting stress on you, then stress is God speaking to you to say no. So when they came to John, they said, are you the prophet? He said, no. Are you the Messiah? He said, no. They will put everything on you. You might be able to say, no. But you are always saying, no, 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 yes. <laughs> The people will always let you be what you are not. But you must know who you are. Jesus, when he knew where he was coming from and where he was going, he removed his robe and became a servant leader. When you know yourself, you serve. So don't, be, don't allow the Pharisees to make you into a Messiah that you are not. So learn to be a leader you might be able to say no to the pressures that people put on you. Because to be a leader in that case, it, it, it also demands financial commitment. And possibly your parent, your aunt may not have the money. You put your whole self into a stress. And then you jeopardize your academic work, which does not help us. I wouldn't, I'm not sure I understood the other question, whether I can transfer my pain. Um, if women can transfer the pain in childbirth to their husbands, we would have helped them. But the only thing to do is that you hold your hand and they squeeze your hand tightly, then they are giving birth, but the pain is theirs. 
certain pain in leadership, you yourself must bear it. You don't transfer it. And normally, we hide the pain from the others. So leaders who come to church and talk about how difficult the economy is and how the children's school fees have not been paid, they are bad leaders. B-A-D in capital letters, red. Bad, bad, bad leaders who broadcast their, their, their economic woes in order to woo the sympathy of the members. If God called you, then he must be able to provide. And you must trust him. Go to your father who sees in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So, if by transferring the pain you are meaning, you mean campaigning, especially when Bronya is coming, and then your sermon changes to giving and uh, those things, then you are a bad leader. Then you are a bad leader. So, the kind of pain we are talking about it, they are inevitable pains. Whatever you do, even Jesus had to go through pain. Whatever you do to Jesus, he is a Jew. So when the woman of Samaria went to broadcast to the Samaritans, come and see a, a what? He said, a man, he said a Jew. Because if you say a Jew, you will offend the others. So even Jesus had a certain culture which offends the Samaritans. But the woman was wise. Jesus says, okay, she became the first evangelist. But she said, come and see a, a man. You see a Jew. So when they came, they saw that man is a Jew. By that time, they had already arrived. <laughs> so in talking about your leader, you must know, you must know what you must keep. Because when you come close to us, you see our secrets. See our secrets. And be wise. You don't say everything about a leader because we are kind of, maybe they may be a pain pain. Debbie, come and see a, a man. And when they came to see the man, the man was a Jew whom they don't like. But the Jew was able to woo them. So you must be careful the things that you say, the things that you can transfer. Every leader has got a bit of limitations. Let me end with this one. Um, Noah was drunk. We don't like it. But he was naked in his own room. And everybody has got the liberty to be naked in your own room. But when your son chances on it, he must not go and broadcast it. When we bring you to leadership, you come and see the nakedness in our room. It's not for you to broadcast. So if you don't know how to have a filter, even cars have got filtering uh, <laughs> filters. And you are a leader without filters. May God help us. Apostle, according to First Timothy chapter 3, um, in choosing leaders, they should be able to man their house at one key criteria. And one of the challenges I believe a lot of leaders here are facing is um, you go to meetings on end, and then like the scenario you gave, very 
interest where apostle is going to do everything as a leader. He comes back and there is something uh, he has to come and deal with as a pain. Um, how well are leaders um, trained so that if they are um, going through these leadership um, things, at least they can have a full, um, maybe full knowledge about some of these pains they should anticipate and these challenges and how to deal with them. One other issue has got to do with where if you sample as many pastors are here, none of their sons, maybe about a larger percentage of them, don't have their sons following their steps. But it would have been good to see um, pastor's sons also going in ministry as apostle has said. He's a son of an apostle, he's an apostle, but unfortunately, um, his sons are taking a different direction. How well can we help in this direction? Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. My name is Johnson Elinam. First of all, I want to thank God for our apostle. Permit me to call you daddy. You have inspired me. God bless you so much. <clears throat> now my question. Actually, you, my question is in the area of pain. Um, mine is concerning wives or a wife for a leader. You mentioned a certain leader, you know, traveled and came back and the wife is pregnant and all that. Uh, daughter, please. Daughter. Daughter is pregnant. I want to know, since it's the daughter, it can also be the wife it herself. Permit me. It can be. So I want to ask, as a leader, how do you manage that? I, I really, really want to know. How do you manage that? Thank you very much. Um, ministers must understand. You must understand that the church is not yours. Jesus says, I will build my church. He says, I will build our church. <laughs> then the church is his wife. So don't be interested in somebody's wife at the expense of your wife. Don't be interested in somebody's wife at the expense of your wife. So when it comes to ministry priorities, it is God first. My family second. Church third. So if somebody is going to the ministry to become an apostle straight from member to apostle, and the wife says, I don't agree, would we make him? We will respect the discretion of the wife. Even God does that. God said, Abraham, your name shall be changed from Abraham to Abraham. But your wife, Sarah, you shall change her name. I can't do it. Change her name from Sarai to Sarah. God can change Abraham's name, but God does not touch Abraham's wife. Abraham will be annoyed. <laughs> and this is Christmas. Let me explain. If I am Joseph, I've got a right to be angry with God for impregnating my wife without my permission. And on the day of judgment, Joseph will lift up his hand. <laughs> so God being so wise, sent the wise men. They were carrying gold, compensation. 
When God takes from you, he will compensate. Now, when they brought the gold, the gold was meant for Jesus, the son. But he was too young to handle the money. So I know from experience that the frankincense went to Mary. The mare went to Mary, the powder for the children, but the gold. <laughs> Joseph said, bring the gold to me. <laughs> then he said, <sighs> ah, because <laughs> the way God stampeded him, if the gold had not come, it, it would have been a, 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 a rough game. God understands. So Joseph was fully compensated for the sacrifice he made concerning his wife. So if you are a leader, make sure that Wife and children are not neglected at the expense of the church because every leader will retire. But you cannot retire as a husband. You cannot retire as a father. And they will follow you even to your graveside. When we die, the whole church will gather, sing, sing, and dance. But when it comes to the barrier, you see them all looking for the jollof. True or false? <laughs> yes. But those who will be concerned about, the, about you to the very end and visit your gravesite, you don't neglect them. But we learn from experience. Listen carefully. In the Bible, we don't throw away bad experience, but we grow out of them. If the Old Testament was sufficient, the new wouldn't have come. But the new doesn't mean we throw it away. We keep it as part of our experience. And then we build a new chapter. So out of the pain of ministers whose children became wayward, we learn from it. It's our Old Testament. But you don't repeat Old Testament in this new era. No. If a sophomore man here was said yesterday and they say the same thing today, then we are not learning. We should learn and move forward. Even the Bible has got a New Testament. What about you, your life? Open up a new chapter. <laughs> Write a New Testament. I didn't want to dress like this. I had a dress I wanted to wear, and my wife protested. And I said, no, I will wear it. Then, so she left and went to, we are now doing our convention. So she left and went to the convention and I changed because she protested. That dress, the two of us have sewn the same dress. So she wanted us to wear at our, she wanted us to wear the same day. And I wanted to wear mine today. <laughs> and look, she's my wife. She comes before the church. Why? And I shouldn't feel guilty. I should feel okay that Jesus take off your wife. Me too, I take off my wife. (laughs) (laughs) 
Jesus died for his wife, the church. You too. <laughs> Go and die for your wife. Don't die for the church. Live for the church, but die for your wife. Yes. So this is speaking proverbially. Don't love the church more than you love your wife. And sometimes your children shouldn't see that you love the church more than you love them. It affects them. Yeah. When I was a boy, I knew I would be a minister. But I joined the ministry after 40 years. I didn't have the appetite. It affected me. Yes. So let's make the ministry attractive to our children. And let's find time. You don't attend PTA. You don't attend anything. Nothing concerns you. Even the children's homework. You, you are busy reading your devotion. Homework. You don't do it. And you want them to become pastors. So what I want to say, that let's write a new testament. And then we move on. All right. And then Ofosu... He was asking, oh, I think that is what I have answered, am I right? Manage their household. How well are leaders trained? Where do they? Oh, okay. I think that question and this one are almost the same. What I want to say is that my father used to keep my mother at home when he was trekking for long for long. But when it's a short journey, hit and run, the two of them will be together. Many Pentecost ministers want to travel with their wives because of a certain story we had. A certain minister was invited to uh, a trek. And when he arrived, the church had already been, uh, begun. So they were having the service. So they asked the district women's leader to show them their home, put their things down and come. So he was with the wife so, putting their things down and come. 30 minutes, 40 minutes, they are not come. They have done long opening prayer. <laughs> they have also sung all the praises. The praises are finished. But they have not come. So, they sent a deacon to go and check. When they went, they were in the room. The deacon knocked and said, we are inside, but the door is locked. We can't open when they arrived, the dignitary said, this door has got a funny way. Sometimes you lock it, it doesn't open. So let me show you when you lock it, how to open. So when she entered and locked it and tried to open, she herself couldn't. And the three of them were inside the room and sweating. So when the deacon came, they passed the key under the door. He took the key and he opened it and lo and behold, the three of them came out sweating. Assuming they were two. Assuming district women's leader and pastor <laughs> are in the room sweating. How do you explain to Deacon that we were inside but we did nothing? <laughs> we are just sweating. <laughs> so sometimes it is good to have your wife around you. It protects you. But don't be in the funny business of the two of you being absent at the same time for long periods, especially when your children reach a certain age where rebellious, rebellion is part of their lifestyle. You must be wise and be around. Yes. 
So we have learned a lot from the, ex the bad experience of others, and we are advising ourselves. I wouldn't say that my children, but we have suffered. We have suffered. Many of my, some of my fellows, the children have become rebellious, especially those of us who go into missions. In Pentecost, you can go to missions, but you can't go with, you can't take all your children. You can take maximum two. If you plead very, your case very well, then three. All the others, leave them here. And missions, the shortest time on missions is five years. Some people, 11 years. And when you grow without your children, you have got a problem. Some went to missions in Spanish countries, and their children have learned Spanish. They can't come back to Ghana. Others went to Paris. The children learned French. They can't fit into Ghana. So you come back without them. And you live a long life without your children. And they develop a different mentality. So it is nice to, hey, you, you are going to missions. The people laugh. They say, oh, praise God. But when you finish, then you know the cost. My children can't speak the local language. I brought them up in Zambia. In Zambia, they don't speak Chi. And <laughs> so if you come the, and they are speaking to you, which is very funny, you will laugh and laugh and laugh, but I understand. Yes. So they don't like going to church assembly. They like going to PRWCs and that, 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 that kind of thing. As if it's just the background. So, and some of these pains, you cannot ignore them. It's like saying, how can a woman give birth without pain? Uh, surgery. And that one is also painful. So whatever you do, what we are saying that, I was asked to talk about the painful side of leadership. Not how to eliminate it, but how <laughs> to enjoy it. Thank you very much. <laughs>